When I fall, I got parachutes. 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 What you gonna say? What you gonna do? What you gonna gonna say? Is what they say true? And all these questions, I make sure I am still on top. And all these questions, I make sure this train is hard to stop. No matter what I say or do, no matter the song or two. It's me you cannot drop. I'm in a parachute up in the sky. I- I'm in a parachute. I'm soaring down. Parachute. I'm soaring down. When I fall, I got parachutes. Politicize every song I sing. Tell you about our reality. You're living in a virtual reality. You're sucking on the tit that feeds you lies. Getting screwed by a system of ties to our demise. We are blamed. Why blame us? That's insane. All we know is pain. Control us for 300 years. Our epitome of fears in a machine that broke us. Made us get out of focus. Preacher told us stop that hocus pocus. Look what we had. Our culture was just a fad. What they didn't still do is sad. It makes me mad. Why be racist? It's made us faceless. Made us into your slaves. Land slaves for your wage. In this first world country, you're the entire Repeat and recycle. Put more money in guns. We make war to be free. We make war to be free. Are we really? Good morning. Welcome to Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM, your local feminist radio show. My name is Christina. I use pronouns she, her. And I'm the other local, Karan. Uh, My pronouns are he, him. The UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of the Anishinaabeg, Nehiawak, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. So this week, kind of want to delve into something called call-out culture. So we recognize that in our current society, conflict resolution is um, it's kind of, it's a bit of a unicorn <laughs> because of the inherent structure of our society and the general inclination for more power and control healthy conflict resolution kind of gets thrown to the wayside and we kind of have a population of a lot of people who have no idea what that looks like. It's all really just about overpowering a lot of the time. So in terms of our feminist organizing, we need to figure out a way to overcome this in a healthy way and figure out how conflict resolution is going to look without just who can scream the loudest. So we've developed this thing called call-out culture where we will freely and willingly call each other out. We will openly criticize and a lot of the times it is very productive and I'd say that we make a very active and conscious effort to take our criticisms with a thoughtful ear, take them in, consider them and improve ourselves accordingly. Sometimes it can get a little bit tricky in terms of how much of the time we want to take in these criticisms. Of course, you always have to strike the balance between how much you're going to internalize and listen to and how much you actually just have to stick to your guns. So sometimes when this is occurring, we will find that as we're defining our place within intersectionality, we're finding our intersections, we're finding where we fit in this giant beast of oppression. And sometimes in our midst of, ho- of trying to hold each other accountable, we'll experience something that is called the race to the margins. Mm. So the race to the margins is essentially 
Well, I think this can best be illustrated with an example. Say we're holding somebody accountable and they are very white passing and somebody is calling them out for being insensitive to an indigenous person, for example. And then they say, oh, well, I'm Métis, actually. Right, right. I've definitely met a lot of people who use that to actually discredit other people's identities but only use their non-white heritage, I guess, to claim oppression when they need to. Which is, you know, I'm going to have to be very careful here because there's a fine line between actually being oppressed but then claiming oppression. Because when you obviously claim oppression, there's nothing that I can do to discredit that, right? I understand that oppression is, you know, as you said, a beast. And at some point, everyone is affected by it. So this is definitely a very sensitive topic, but I've definitely met people who are, you know, right winged and we've had conversations before wherein they say that the way I see it, <laughs> we're, we're all just one big human race and, you know, very like libertarian-esque thought, thought process. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to get into like the political spectrum right now, but... Well, not right now. Later on, I might. But <laughs> but they don't really want to acknowledge that race is an issue because a lot of this is like very idealistic, too. They want to move forward as a society and this weird utopian idea that like that if everyone we... can just be equal if we stop talking e- about race and sex. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like. Oh, boy. I, oh, boy. <laughs> I, I just uh, I've met these people. And they're often, they're often, they come from non-white backgrounds. And it's very interesting because oftentimes they will be white passing. I have met Indian people who are white passing very weirdly. Like you Indian. Yeah, like me. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) I know you know that and I know that I know that. But what if there's just like that one listener that's like, excuse me? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Good to clarify. Always. <laughs> I will. I always like refuse to use the term East Indian because I think that saying East Indian is inherently racist because it implies that there's other kind of Indian. Oh, and mm-hmm. I don't abide to that okay. at all because yeah. I think that's inherently messed up. I can dig that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I've met other Indian people who are white passing who will, you know, say that. Well, I will write that I'm a visible minority, but I won't like claim it because oftentimes it helps me out. Henceforth, I am oppressed, but I will completely ignore the fact that different races exist. I've met people like that. I've met people who are Latinx and they will say, well, I'm extremely white passing. So obviously I use that to my privilege. Like it is a privilege to be white passing and I am oppressed and I am a visible minority, but not really. So this is a very weird like dichotomous situation wherein you are claiming that you are non-white and oppressed, but you're not really, are you? Exactly. And there's a few different ways that this this conversation can kind of get kind of murky. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're somebody who's very much uh, who holds a lot of privilege and then you start speaking of your non-visible oppressed identity and then using that to your advantage, that's, of course, problematic. But even just in our discourse within people, within our communities, our feminist communities, where there are a lot of us who are very visibly oppressed in uh, 
visibly oppressed what am i trying to say here very i mean visib- like clearly oppressed right yeah, like, like it, it can be if you're like clearly visibly, yeah, visi- visibly like gender queer or a visibly yeah. binary woman there we go yeah or visible person of color like you're or like exactly. even a visible person with disabilities you're oftentimes more likely to be oppressed right okay yeah you're picking up what i'm putting down okay yeah yeah. yeah, totally so yeah and then with muddy and murky indeed (laughs) exactly yes yeah so as you even delve into these communities where we'll have generally we try to strive for more respectful discourse there will still sometimes pop up a sort of tension where some people will want to state that they're more oppressed than others in some way or another and we are not about to try to break down what the hard and fast rule is because there is no hard and fast rule you cannot compare oppressions right you can of course speak of the given intensity and severity and details of one particular system of oppression but Mm. there really is no hard and fast clear-cut rule it becomes very difficult to compare uh, in given individuals so in terms of our organizing the way to sort of contend with this of course within the intersectional perspective we do need to define ourselves we do need to describe ourselves in terms of our race class and sexuality we need to acknowledge that because that is a accurate description of how society sees us Mm -hmm. so of course we need to define our intersectionalities and we need to define the ways in which we do and don't have privilege the ways in which we are and aren't oppressed what i'm really getting at is in terms of how to move forward don't let the conversation end at deciding who is the most oppressed have you seen this occurring before i i do actually have an example do you okay that i want to talk about a little bit in detail and i understand that this is going to be a bit of a controversial topic so i guess like i'm just going to give a warning out before i get into this but i'm going to talk about this one particular phenomena that i have always noticed in the gay community white cisgender gay men there is a very weird claiming of oppression but then when it comes to the community as a whole not being as oppressed as the rest. In this already marginalized communities, I have always noticed that their presence in one way or another, well, not their presence, but the way they occupy spaces, everything really marginalizes. So what you're saying is that white men have occupied another space and had privilege (laughs) as a result. Groundbreaking. Oh, wow. I mean, you know what? I just want my honorary PhD in sociology already. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, this has clearly never been discussed before. I sound like a local right now. But... This is something that I've been wanting to discuss. So, you know, if if there's any listener listening in, like this kind of has been a weird thing for you to cope with or come to terms with and wants to talk about it, please reach out to me because I would love to have a, a lengthy conversation about this for sure. Because let's let's talk about the concept of taking space or taking up space rather. It's always been a concept wherein you take back power from the oppressor by showing up in numbers by, you know, showing your resilient body and saying that, hey, like, I'm here to stay and you gonna be mad every day. Like, (laughs) there's nothing you can do about it. Like, I exist. Either acknowledge it or there's not much you can do. Except the fact that I'm a human and I exist in this world or... Go away. Like, basically. And that has been, like, extremely revolutionary for a lot of marginalized people. We look at communities of persons with disabilities 
And oftentimes, like even here at the University of Manitoba, student accessibility services was formed because they occupied spaces. They like they formed a collective and they said that, hey, clearly these spaces weren't meant for us to be in, but were here. Accommodate us now. Obviously, this has been very revolutionary. But what I see is that oftentimes it gets dragged away from its original meaning by white cisgender men in the queer community. Oftentimes I find that they take so much space, there isn't any left for the L or the T or the B or the, you know, the other asterisks that doesn't even get any importance, even the acronym. So I understand that this is very like controversial, but this is something that I have noticed even in my experience. I mean, we're not the first people to notice this. I'm sure a lot of listeners listening here have their qualms with it. The fact that pride, you can can see it at pride, the pride flag. Like we see this in pride. Pride flag was designed by a cis white gay man, Gilbert Baker. And oftentimes he gets a lot of the credit for pride which is inherently oppressive because oftentimes people forget that Pride actually was started by two trans women of color, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. And we often forget that the first brick was thrown by a woman of color who have always been oppressed, even in the LGBT community, by white cis gay men. This is the problem that I find that obviously white gay men have full right to claim oppression. Yeah. Because, I mean, do I even have to explain why? Oh, gay people have always faced... You. You, you, know, you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. But what is upsetting is that everything has to turn into something that is relevant to white gay cis men. Exactly. And it is upsetting because when I first started becoming acquainted with the LGBTQ community, I would sort of become acquainted with these spaces and I would be like yeah I want to support this you know Mm -hmm. I want to like be like yes I see you you are valid you you know I see your humanity Um, but then I would also get really strong undertones if not sometimes really overt just kind of dismissiveness of non-males yep yep very much just we hate women oh who needs women blah 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 and like that's a really mild example yeah yeah, Um, yeah. of course they're not attracted to women but sometimes and oftentimes it gets much more severe than that Mm -hmm. like very turbulent yeah there's Mm -hmm. numerous examples of these spaces being very hostile towards women and just very anti-woman and anti anyone who's not male, Mm anti-trans, anti-non-binary. So where do the lesbians go? Where do our transgender folks go? Where do they go? It's so weird because even in the gay community, there is so much racism that exists till today. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if we want, look up dating sites, dating websites or dating apps. Always there will be one person who will say, no blacks, no Latinos, no, uh, I don't even know, like whatever other POC group exists, like no Asians. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm so many people think it's an acceptable thing to have a preference for what race they want to date. Yeah. And I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that whole debate over there, but to be overtly anti-black, anti-indigenous, anti-Indian is like... It's racist. It's racist. It is and, blatantly racist. And it happens like... And I'm not even talking about just dating. Even when you see groups of white gay men, 
oftentimes the reason that they are friends is because they're all cis white gay men. And and that's kind of all it takes for them to conglomerate into this one group that goes on to then occupy spaces. Pride, if you see, will most likely be associated with cis white gay men taking over. And middle class, upper class, it's very commercialized. Too. Very commercialized. And I mean, I'm not even going to get to the phenomenon of white cis gay men being Republicans in the States. I mean, <laughs> the whole twinks for Republicans. Oh, I don't even <laughs> want to get into that. But there's very subtly veiled racism that exists in that community, too. A, it's hell exclusive. They won't let anyone in if you're not really like you'll always find that one token QPOC. But that's kind of it. And even just think of the story last week with fame when love tried to get in. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like refugees not allowed. I guess like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Fame doing blackface. All right. That's totally fine. <sighs> and the most contemporary example that I can think of that is the embodiment of this thinly veiled racism, but which also kind of annoys me about this community is the stealing of AAVE, which is the African-American vernacular English. Mm. Everything that black women do, especially in the United States, comes back through either Twitter or, you know, Tumblr or some sort of social media that is dominated or, you know, has a big online community of white gay men, white cis gay men, that they will steal all of these, I want to say, like, neocultural aspects of the black queer community that also includes women, primarily, and will make it their own thing. I want, and I, I don't want to so sound... right. I, I don't want to sound, like, ridiculous right now or, like, stereotypically gay, but yas, queen. Yeah, by Felicia. By Felicia, <laughs> sis. Where did sis come from? Where did all of these things actually James come from? Charles? Okay. James Charles is not the creator of anything. Actually, I <laughs> I think James James Charles has been very problematic. His tweets about, you know, Africa and Ebola and all of that. I'm not even going to get into that. But you will see that these white gay men often will talk about their hardships when they need to or when they want to, which is completely acceptable, but not really give credit to the people who they're stealing all of these things from. Where did Spill the Tea Sis come from? Are we going to talk about the fact that this is actually used in primarily African-American communities in the United States? Or are we just going to think that this originated from white gay culture? I am so glad you're talking about this. And if you call these people out on it, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, we're all oppressed it's, in some way. Yeah. And, and they'll say, oh, well, I thought this was Twitter language. And behold. No. Yeah. And behold the race to the margins. They're like, oh, we're all exactly. oppressed in some way. But no. Respect each other's crap and like stay out of it. Exactly. Like, and it just, it just really like angers me because it's like yeah i mean obviously like i'm not gonna police your language i'm not gonna police you know whatever things you want to say to express yourself but you are inherently getting to be a part of a community and enjoy a part of the community that in some ways is a little more oppressed i mean I think it's pretty okay for me to say that queer people of color and black people are in the States very much more oppressed. They yeah. have to face gun violence. They have to face police brutality. They're literally dying. Sexism and racism. Like double whammy right there. And you get to enjoy the 
fun cultural aspects of these communities without actually crediting them or facing the hardships that they face. And suddenly you bring it back to your own exclusive community as though it's yours, as though you created this. That's appropriating and profiting off another culture in a nutshell right there. And I get it, like occupy space, but damn be, let there be a space for other people. And don't take up other people's space. And if there is a cis, white, gay person listening to this, I don't mean to ever say that what you have faced is invalid. All I mean to say is that what other people face is also valid. When you wear a crop top and glitter to pride, I will be your number one fan. But if you are not making sure that your pride is not including trans people, trans people of color, queer people of color, gender non-binary people, and basically anyone else who is not a cis white straight male, something's wrong there. Something's inherently wrong. And I will not support you if you continue to do that. I mean, I had a, in my first year, I had a friend who was like very proud of his sexuality, which honestly really helped me. It was, it was great to see that someone can be so accepting of themselves. But he said something really racist that I didn't really think was racist at the time because I was still like, you know, overcoming my culture shock and all of that. Mm -hmm. So there was someone of African descent on our floor. And I guess like, I guess this is the problem with men. They don't really know how to use toilets, like AIM, I guess. I don't know. We yeah, were, we yeah. Were... I mean, as somebody who has like worked at a Tim Hortons, yeah, <laughs> and had to clean both bathrooms, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and we were living, we were using communal bathrooms. And I guess he just didn't like this one African dude who was on our floor. He said to me, and I... I'm really upset by this now that I'm woke and I realized that this was really, really problematic. He was like, well, I don't care where you come from if you freaking pee in a hole back in your country. But here you have to aim. You have to aim for the toilet. And I was like, ah, this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the problem. Why do you have to point out the like a person's origin at all? In that comment. Maybe they're just not good at aiming. Exactly. That's it. You think that's not a problem with white guys too? Like, I don't... (laughs) (laughs) And it just just really bothers me. So if you are going to not recognize other people's presence and the fact that they're completely valid in being there, I'm not going to stand by you. And this obviously just doesn't apply to white cis gay men. This applies to any community that has been oppressive. I mean, white feminism... White women. Oh, my God. I'm not... You know what? I don't even think we have enough time to get into that. What a can of worms. (laughs) But, like... I don't even... Like, white feminism is basically just exclusive of everyone. That's... We we can talk about that on a future date, but yeah. Yeah, maybe next episode. We'll uh, see what I'm feeling like. Maybe I'll talk about libertarianism. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) But, But, yeah, like, I don't know what Christina said, right? Like, we all have one goal. We all want to be liberated. We all want to occupy spaces and not be ashamed of our identities how are we gonna achieve that as a collective basically what we can say is you know acknowledge these things acknowledge these phenomena as they occur acknowledge that race to the margins is a thing call out culture is a thing white gay culture is a thing (laughs) (laughs) white gay culture should we talk about eating disorders being skinny being white being gay oh oh maybe another time yeah let's save that for another day basically all of these things acknowledge them Don't let that be where the conversation ends. Remember the plan. What is the ideal society? 
remember that and work towards that. Oh, Mama Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going to be so proud of us. <laughs> Our socialist <laughs> dreams of wanting everyone to thrive. Wow, so radical. I know, it's so <laughs> radical to think that everyone deserves to live. <laughs> right. Man, we are saying some really, really controversial <laughs> stuff right here. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Christina, for ending us off on that positive note because I feel like at some point we all kind of lose sight of that. And it's a good reminder to have, especially when you are oppressed. You need to think about the collective good. Thanks for enlightening us, Karen. Um, this has been Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM. Be sure to check out our Instagram, Wake the F Up UMFM. Catch us next week. Thanks, Yay. Karen. Thank you, Christina.